If you've uh, been with us the past couple of weeks, you know we've been working through uh, sections of the book of Romans, and it's been a, a really rich kind of adventure. Uh, we've been calling this series Mysterious Absolutes, and I thought about that this week in particular. Um, one of the things that's been our practice each year is to go uh, to the beach for Thanksgiving, and we did that again this year. And we stay in a house that, that overlooks the ocean, and uh, so you can kind of get on the top of the house and see uh, the whole ocean um, just from uh, the, the balcony there. And, and at one point, I, I was able to watch my daughter walk out to the ocean, and I could kind of see it backwards from the distance, and you could just see this little girl marvel, marveling at the wonder and the power of the ocean. And to be honest, that's how I've felt if I, as I've looked at the book of Romans, that we don't always understand all the ins and the outs about what this book is talking about, but that doesn't make it any less powerful. And that is certainly true of our passage this morning. I'm going to be reading uh, from Romans chapter 9, and we're going to read through chapter 10. Uh, Romans chapter 9, verse 30, through Romans 10, uh, 21. So you can follow along in your Bibles or in the bulletin uh, or on the screens behind me. What shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it, that is, a righteousness that is by faith. But that Israel, who, who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness, did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were based on works. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone, as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame." Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness that comes from God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down? Or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead? But what does it say? The word is near to you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how are they to call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. 
But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have, for their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask me. But of Israel, he says, all day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, there's a lot in this passage. There's so much to your word, Father. There's so much that um, by your grace and your illumination, we can understand in such a way that it saves our heart. But Father, there's also great mystery to it. So be with us now as we plumb the depths of your scriptures. Speak to our hearts. May your spirit be active among us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, we, we throw a lot of Christian words around in church and often in conversation with one another. Uh, and sometimes those words don't make a whole lot of sense outside of our community, outside of these walls, and in our culture. And the word righteous or righteousness is one of those words. We use it a lot we talk about it a lot in church, but often it is hard for even us to understand and certainly for our culture to understand, but it is nonetheless important for us to understand what Paul means by this word. The word righteous is used eight times in this passage, and rightly so, because it's the idea that Paul is really trying to tease out in this section, and understanding it is crucial to understanding what Paul is saying and crucial to understanding the message of the gospel itself. If you're with us uh, the last time we preached from this passage, you'll remember that in this section of Romans, in Romans 9 to 11, Paul is really tackling two different concerns or two concerns at the same time. One is a church concern and the other is more of a personal concern. The church concern had to do with the relationship of Jews and Gentiles in the churches that Paul was ministering amongst. And the questions he tackles are this. Is God's plan of salvation, his unique favor, tied to the Jewish people and the Jewish nation, or is this a plan for all peoples and all nations? What does it mean for both Jew and Gentile to embrace the gospel? But there's also a real personal concern for Paul in this passage as well, because Paul himself was raised as a Jewish person. And yet, his people, the people that he had lived with and ministered amongst, were largely rejecting Jesus and the message of Jesus Christ. They were rejecting the Messiah that all the prophets and all the covenants had pointed to. In Paul's mind, they should be the first ones lining up to follow Jesus. And yet, instead, they largely rejected him and even had him crucified. Why, of all people, why, of all people, would the Jews be the ones to reject Jesus? And in Paul's mind, it all had to do with this idea of righteousness. And again, we don't use this term a lot in our culture, but we do understand the concept 
of what Paul is saying here. We understand its idea and its meaning. And when you think about righteousness, you ought to think about the idea of record, or what is your personal record. You see, we all have bank accounts and credit reports that tell each of us what, how we're doing financially. We have transcripts and report cards that tell us how we are doing academically. We have a file at the doctor's office that tells us how we are doing in terms of our health. Some of us look to social media to help us figure out how we are doing socially. Some of us may or may not have a criminal record with the police department that tells us how uh, we are doing as citizens of our city and our country. And let's be honest, there's probably some secret man sitting in some secret room that knows everything about us, including all of our internet search history, and can predict how we are going to move and step forward in the next few months. Not much is hidden in our world. So we all know what it's like to have a record. And so, when you think about righteousness, imagine the combination of all those things that we just talked about, and then mix the spiritual health of each one of us in there. Because our righteousness is our spiritual record before God. A God who sees and knows all has the best record and the best accounting of who we are and what we have done with our lives. And so what Paul is saying here is that there are two types of righteousness. There is righteousness that is based on faith, and then there is righteousness that is based on our performance. Let's first look at the idea of righteousness based on performance. Uh, A long time ago, um, it feels like ancient history uh, at this point, but a long time ago, I was applying for colleges. And maybe you can remember back when you did the same thing. But I can remember that I had my heart set on one particular college, and they, of course, had a standard that I had to reach in order to gain admission to that that that, uh, college. I needed a certain GPA, and I needed a certain SAT score. And while I had the GPA to get into this school, I was a little short on the SAT score. But I applied, uh, hoping that I would receive some sort of grace in the admissions department, which I eventually didn't get. I got that letter of rejection because that school had a standard, and I did not meet that that standard. You see, standards like that are all over our culture. If we are in some sort of sales profession, we know that we need a certain sales number in order to gain promotions or to gain bonuses. If you're applying for a car loan or a mortgage, you need a certain credit score to meet the standard that you are hoping to get. If you want cheaper car insurance, you need to have a good driving record, and the list goes on and on. These are things that are written into the fabric of our culture, because in many ways, we live in a meritocracy. We live in a culture that is based on merit. And what the scriptures tell us is that in some ways, the same is true for us spiritually. 
verse 5, for Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. See, what Paul is saying is that there is a righteousness or a record that is based on performance. It is righteousness based on God's law and his standard that he has given to humanity. And on this path, admission to God's family, admission to the kingdom of God, admission to heaven is based upon performance. It's based on our conformity to God's law. Perfect obedience earns admission. Perfect record admits us to God's kingdom. So an honest person recognizes that this is far from the reality of their own hearts. You see, the Jews had the law and they had a passion to obey it. But they were deceived into somehow thinking that they could still pull it off, that, that they could be made righteous based upon their performance. Paul says so in verse 2. He says, I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness that comes from God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. You see, what Paul's saying is that the Jews had a zeal for God. They had a passion for him. They were immensely religious. They were zealous for God's law. But this led them to seek to establish their own righteousness. You see, whenever we are truly confronted with God's law, we can have one of two responses. Whenever we think of God's law and all the commandments, we can have one of two responses. One is that we could just try harder. We could try harder. We can work to clean up our record. We can become consumed with, with duty and performance. And these often manifest themselves into the stressed-out perfectionists of our world or those of us that lean in that direction. And I personally am familiar with this type of response. The symptoms of this are a certain kind of performance anxiety. Maybe we lie awake at night worried about our well-manicured reputation. Every financial box needs to be checked off in our lives. We have to have a straight-A academic record. We live for the approval of our superiors. We incessantly compare ourselves to others in order to boost our pride and our ego. At least I'm not that person that I am measuring myself up against. We magnify our positives. We hide our flaws. The questions persist in our hearts. Questions like, what will people think about me when they see how poorly my kids are behaving? Or what will people think if they got a true window into my home or even into my heart? And yet God, who sees all, knows all. He knows about our mess and about our frailties. And it is foolish for us to try to hide them before him. And yet, in spite of all that, we somehow get stuck here. 
We get stuck in this performance loop. We try harder, deceiving ourselves all along the way. And this is where Paul believed that the Jews had become stuck. And it is where many of us in our world get stuck as well. But at the end, it is a joyless existence that struggles always to simply just stay above water. The other response to God's law, to God's standard, is a painful one, but at the end of the day, it is the honest one. It is a response that looks at God's standard and looks at our own hearts and despairs of our condition. This really is the only honest approach. The approach that looks at God and realizes that we just don't measure up. And in the end, this is what God's law was ultimately intended to do. It was intended to help us to see how far we fall short of the admission standards. It was to show us that because of sin, this was never really a way to God. Our performance would never be enough. Our zeal could never be enough. So what God's law was intended to do do is to drive us back to God to look for another way. And that other way that Paul describes here is righteousness that is based upon faith. This way is by faith, not in our works, but in Christ's work. Good verse 4, for Christ is the end of the law of righteousness to everyone who believes. And then later in verse 9, Paul says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scriptures say, Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. You see, friends, Christ didn't just come to take care of our bad spiritual record. He, of course, did that, submitting himself for us, substituting himself on the cross on our behalf. He taking the punishment that we deserved. But imagine if someone came and took away all your debts— That would be great news, wouldn't it? But at the end of the day, you'd still be what? You'd still be broke. So what does Jesus do? He doesn't just take away our bad record, but he gives us a new one. He gives us Christ's righteousness. He gives us Christ's record. And this is the great exchange of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our poor and sinful record was placed on him And his perfect record, his perfect righteousness and obedience is given to us. And all this is made possible by faith in Jesus Christ. So friends, what Paul is telling us is that the path to life is despairing of our condition. It's no longer trusting in our record, in our performance, and instead it is trusting in in his work that was done on our behalf. It is righteousness that is given to us by faith in Jesus Christ. 
Some theologians call it alien righteousness, and, and they're not meaning that it's, it's righteousness that comes from outer space, but that it is righteousness that is given to us as a gift from the outside because we don't have it in us on the inside. By this, we are made right before God. By this, we gain admission to the family, to the kingdom, to the celebration. By this, we fear no shame. Friends, it is not about your performance. Instead, it is about Christ's performance on our behalf. And when we come to terms with this, when we come to terms with this message of the gospel, it gives birth in us a sense of liberated joy that our merit-based world has a really hard time understanding. Sure, we can be frustrated when our kids disobey and make us look bad. Sure, we can worry about our bad financial record or our bad criminal record, driving record, or even our bad academic record. But in the end, all those things will never have the final word. Because the final word is hidden with Jesus Christ. Our spiritual record is secure by faith. By faith, all this is taken care of in Jesus Christ. And friends, that ought to translate into gratitude. Gratitude and proclamation. That's what Paul is really saying here. We thought a lot about gratitude this week with Thanksgiving, but the thing that ultimately should most bring gratitude in our hearts is the fact that we are hidden with Christ and that we have been given His righteousness and His record. But that gratitude is so strong that it ought to move us into lives of proclamation. That really is what Paul is talking about here in verses 14 and 17. The proclamation of the righteousness of God. He says in verse 15, And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. See, friends, we all know this. We live in a meritocracy. We live in a world where our identity is wrapped in and based in our performance. But the gospel is so different. We've all felt the joy of feeling approved and also the sting of feeling disapproved or feeling rejected in this life. But those who have been found by God have been found by something that is miraculous. And we have been given grace and forgiveness in Christ. So no no matter how bad your record was, no matter how bad your record is, or no matter how much you could ruin it in the future, you, at the end of the day, have been approved by God. Better yet, you've been embraced and loved by a Savior. Friends, this is good news. The rest of the world desperately needs to hear this good news. They need to hear that we don't need to live on the hamster wheel of performance and outperforming others. 
We don't need to rank and compare ourselves to others as if we were in some sort of trap of one-upsmanship and competition. We don't have to live the empty road of building our identity around our performance. Instead, we've been given the record and righteousness of Christ. Instead, by faith, we can step off of the hamster wheel of performance. That is the way that God calls us to live, and that is the news that he calls us to spread. Let's pray.